At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm up from Evo, welcome to Bumpy Las Vegas, the Jessica Seats with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beast of Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be keeping this one to two parts. Here in segment number one, we're going to be taking a look at all the news and notes we got in college basketball on Thursdays. The news and notes of college basketball has been a little bit more thin this week. A lot of schools they are waiting for these players to make their NBA draft decisions, and then I think from there, we're going to be seeing a big wave of activity towards the early slash middle of the month of June. So right now, a lot of schools are waiting on that. And because a lot of schools are waiting on that, we need to get speculation from our good friend Jim Root over at the three-man weave. He's going to be breaking down the schools and the players that have the most to gain slash lose with a lot of these NBA draft decisions. But along those lines as well with Jim, we are noticing that there's a little bit more question mark as to what is going to be happening with some of these transfers. These guys that they decide to enter into the transfer portal late. These guys that they're on transfer number three, number four, because you get one freebie with the NCAA, and then from there you need to get waivers. What is going to be happening on that front, and can it cause things to be a little bit more murky with regards to what we're going to be getting this college basketball offseason, and just how to take note of that. So we're going to be talking about that in segment number two with our good friend Jim, and if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, let her see them. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today, so let's dive into what we all saw in college basketball on Thursday. We're going to get to the NBA draft decisions in a minute, but I did think that this was significant. Damian Collins, who just has not lived up to his billing. 247 Sports, I remember Adam as a tw- top 20 recruit. I know that ESPN did as well. This guy has been a big flopperoni in his two years at Kentucky. He has decided that he is going to be going to LSU, and this could be a case of one team's trash is another team's treasure. As for Collins, he had 2.9 points per game as a freshman, and this last year, he couldn't get out there on the floor, was averaging right around eight minutes per contest. He was only able to supply the team with about 1.9 points per game. He was averaging right around two rebounds per contest in his two seasons on campus. Has never really been the most versatile player in the world and just could not see minutes behind Oscar Sheboy. So he's decided that he is going to be going to LSU. And hey, perhaps this is going to clear the way for Kentucky to be able to bring back Mr. Sheboy. We're going to be discussing that team in segment number two with Jim Ruth. That's one of the many teams that we're going to be breaking down there. But you know what? For LSU, I think that they've had a relatively nice offseason. I know that we have Blake Lovell on this show a lot. He does great work over at Southeastern 14, and 
He's actually going to be joining me as a part of our coverage of the Atlantic Sun. We're going to be doing that conference preview relatively soon, but you just take a look at all the guys that LSU has coming in. They bring in Jordan Wright from within the SEC. He was Mr. Wright over at Vanderbilt last season, a guy that's able to give you a double-figure amount of points per game. Hunter Dean, I think, is a nothing burger, but Will Baker is a seven-footer that's able to pop threes. Jalen Cook, Carlos Stewart, these are a pair of guys that at their respective schools were putting up 14-plus points per contest. Cook is able to do it all, was tremendous over at Tulane, so I really like the transfer moves that LSU has brought in, and if Collins can be anywhere even close to what he was when he was in high school, if he's able to live up to any sort of that billing whatsoever, this is going to be incredibly massive for them. What else is incredibly massive is the fact that Clemson, they get back a guy that they had question marks with as P.J. Hall has decided that he is going to withdraw from the NBA draft and he is going to return to school. I felt like this was a pretty big foregone conclusion, but you know what? Getting back a guy, Mr. Hall, that is big. As the last two seasons has averaged between 15 and 15 and a half points per game, right around five and a half to six rebounds per contest. This last season shot 40% from three-point range as a six-foot eight combo player. So being able to get him back at the fold, I think is just absolutely supreme. You saw Toby Okani decide that he is going to be returning to school as well. He was playing for UIC, and this is big for a UIC program that they just need to build a little bit of upward momentum. Luke Yaklich, I really liked him as an assistant for Michigan, just has not been able to get the wheels rolling over at UIC. But for Okani, he's got good versatility. At six foot seven, was able to deliver for UIC a little bit over a block, 11 points per game, chipped in there seven boards, shot threes at about a 30% clip. You'd like to see that be a little bit higher, but you know what? He's got a relatively good skill set, so I think that that is big that UIC is going to be able to get them back in the full day. This is an unexpected addition to the transfer portal as well. He is going to be a graduate transfer, which is why he is able to go into the transfer portal. So even though we had that deadline reach, that's more or less for undergraduates. If you are a graduate student, you are able to enter into the portal at any point. And Tyler Burton, he was a two-time all a 10 player of the year in terms of the first team he was able to give Richmond this past season 19 points, seven and a half boards, a steal and a half per contest. Shot only about 30% per three after the last two seasons. Shot more around 36.5% per three as a six foot seven combo player. But for these teams that they've got NBA draft decisions that are looming for these teams that they have no idea what they're going to be getting moving forward. Yeah, they should really be knocking at his door right about now because that is one of the best players currently reigning in the transfer portal. Along with Ray J. Dennis, who we all thought was going to be going to Illinois, but at this point, we are not sure. Jordan Walls, this man has been passed around like a basket of breadsticks. Began his career at Western Kentucky, went to Georgia State, then went back to Western Kentucky. Now he's going to New Mexico State, which New Mexico State, by the way, they've done a really good job of being able to bring in a whole bunch of guys. They have to rebuild everything because the way the last season ended, you hope that no other program has their season end like that like ever again. But you know what? Jordan Rawls going into New Mexico State, just another piece for this puzzle that is trying to be brought together as for New Mexico State. And it's going to be a very interesting blend. I'm not sure what sort of offense they're going to be running, but you know what? They bring in he along with Brandon Suggs. Suggs is someone that's able to give you a double-figure amount of points per game with Rawls this last season. Seven and a half points, two and a half assists. He's much more of a facilitator. He's a career about 30% three-point shooter, but an okay defender as well. I remember when he was playing for Western Kentucky, 
of quite a few years ago. He was really able to come on to the scene as a freshman. It's just not been able to find it ever since then, but maybe surrounding him with someone like a Jalen Jackson Posey, who's able to do a nice job of being a pop threes. They bring in Femi Otakala. He was the top scorer for Pittsburgh a few seasons ago, a main facilitator there. They've got like four guys that are able to throw out the ball. You've got Dennis J. Harris, who's a six foot six combo player that's coming in from Southern Miss. I mean, there's just a lot of pieces here. I don't know how they're going to come together, but you know what? New Mexico State, they certainly have done a good job of being able to hit the transfer portal and look to turn over a little bit of a new leaf. This is big for Incarnate Word, as Incarnate Word, they don't get a lot of wins on the transfer portal bunch, but they bring in Lamin Sabali. He was playing this last season at UTSA. Meet me for the Roadrunners as for Sabali. This last season, he did see a few starts. Career 16 starts at UTSA. He was about a three-point-per-game scorer. Shot 33% for three as a freshman. This last year, that fell off the map. But a six-foot-seven, little bit of a combo player going into the Southland Conference. I do think that he has a chance to be able to do some nice things for the team. And I do think that at a little bit of a lower level of competition, his skill set in general is going to be able to win out and be able to provide the team with a little bit of a boost. We saw Arian Lewis. He was playing at Delaware State this last season. He's decided that he is going to be going to Quinnipiac for Lewis. He redshirted this last season for Delaware State. It was just a relatively rough year in general for him, but I do think that he could be a little bit of a cog in this backcourt. Going to be interesting to see what he's going to be able to provide moving forward, but that said, for Quinnipiac, they did have to rebuild a little bit after they lost a lot of players, especially Desi Jones in the transfer portal this last season. Isaiah Carr, he is gas up and he is ready to go to Denver. This last season, he was playing at Grand Canyon and well, at Grand Canyon, he just did not see any playing time whatsoever. He did get a grand total of six starts, but only about eight minutes per contest. He was out there pretty much for the opening tip. He's a seven-footer that was hauling in there right around two rebounds to go along with this one point per contest. This is a project for Denver, and Denver has never necessarily been the world's greatest defensive team. I don't think that I'm saying anything too startling, but you know what? With regards to Isaiah Carr, he was the number one center prospect in the state of New Mexico a few seasons ago, so I do think that there is going to be a little bit of an upside here with him. It's just being able to keep him out there on the floor, being able to get his conditioning up, so there are quite a few questions there, and Right now, in terms of college basketball, there are a lot of questions surrounding these rosters right now. And many of them, they are reliant upon what guys are going to be doing with the NBA draft. Those decisions are going to be known in the next few days. And coming up next, we are going to be talking with our good friend Jim Root over at the Three Man Weave. We're going to be discussing what schools have the most to gain slash lose the next few days. What we are expecting with regards to some of these NBA draft decisions and so much more. We're also going to be taking a look at some of the logistics of evaluating the offseason, gauging what guys will slash will not get waivers, and how to just go about taking a look at guys that they are on transfer number two, transfer number three, and there's a little bit of question mark as to whether or not they are going to be eligible. That's up next right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now a part of Lisa's Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. It is great to be joined by this man as we've got Jim Root aboard. He is one third of the three man weave and all the gentlemen over at the three man weave. Jim, Matt and Kai, they do absolutely superb work and you're able to follow them on Twitter at the number three MW underscore CBB for Jim. He is based out there in the Midwest. He much like myself, a proud Wisconsinite and for Jim. I know that he does some great work over at the Field of 68 Action Network as well, and you're able to find him on Twitter at Second Chance Points. That is the number two ND Chance Points all together. And Jim, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great to be here, Greg. Terrific intro as, as always. I appreciate it and look forward to talking some hoops. I always look forward to chatting with you, Jim. And we have seen a lot of NBA draft decisions already come off the board, but there's a lot of big ones 
set to still happen. We'll dive into those in a minute or two. But that said, I feel like the biggest draft decision that we've seen thus far, other than Kyle Filipowski, him deciding to come back to Duke, that happened quite a few weeks ago. That was massive. But Kevin McCuller deciding that he was going to be going back to Kansas, I think is a big deal because with Kansas, while they do lose quite a few guys from last season, like Jalen Wilson and company, I feel like they've done an absolutely amazing job of reloading. They bring in Hunter Dickinson as well. And while I can't get behind necessarily putting them ahead of Duke, I've got Kansas right now as a top five team. And bringing back a guy in Kevin McCuller, it's going to make them, in my opinion, one of the better defenses in all of college basketball. Yeah, they should be fantastic on that end. You know, Dickinson has had some issues in space, especially guarding the pick and roll. Think back specifically to the game against Eastern Michigan where uh, Imani Bates put him in jail just trying to defend him in screen and rolls and stuff. But they've got such versatile defenders outside of him. I mean, Dewan Harris is one of the best on-ball guys in the country. K.J. Adams, Kevin McCuller can guard four to five positions. You got a lot of length up and down the bench, too. They're not going to be very small outside of Dewan Harris. So I think that defense is going to be able to compensate maybe for the the foot speed and space for Dickinson and every other part of it's going to be elite. And just Bill Self, I mean, he just knows how to win with different types of teams. He's had teams with two bigs where they play high-low. He's had teams with no bigs like last year or no true back-to-the-basket bigs where they play five out and they they beat you with slashing and shooting. And then now they've got this one true back-to-the-basket big in Dickinson where they can play through him, they can cut off him. The one question I would probably have is offensive spacing, but I think they'll be able to figure that out. It wasn't really totally ideal last year, and they ended up getting a number one seed and winning the Big 12. So they are going to be fantastic, and getting McCullough there just kind of makes the rich richer and gives them another playmaker on the perimeter. Yep, I think that this is going to be huge for them. They bring in Nicholas Timberlake, as you mentioned as well, a guy that's able to shoot it well from three-point range. Not sure if he's going to be able to be quite as effective at the Big 12 level as he was with the Towson Tigers this last season, but no question about it. I do think that Kansas lock-loaded. They're going to be in for a big season as we're always in for a big chat as we've got Jim Root. He's joining me right here on Coast Coast. He does great work over at the three-man weave. And, Jim, when it comes to these NBA draft decisions, I do think that there's more of impact this year than we have seen in past years. We did see P.J. Hall decide that he was going to withdraw from the draft as well. That was a big one in terms of the Clemson Tigers being able to get him back at the fold. But I take a look at some of these teams like Creighton, Texas. They've got a lot that is riding on the next week or so. Or a few teams that you just really identified and things can go very, very well for them if the players that we expect come back to school or things can be in a little bit of a ruin if they don't come back. Yeah, Creighton, I think, is a big one with Kalkbrenner and Alexander both in there. If they get those guys back to go with Ashworth and, and some of the other pieces that they've added this offseason, still lose Kaluma to the portal. But I think if you get Kalkbrenner and Alexander back, that's kind of your inside-outside bookends to your lineup. And if both those guys go, it could get bleak. If they're both back, it looks a lot better. UCLA is another team that I think is really hoping a Dembona and maybe even Tiger Campbell comes back and gives them a big one-two punch inside out. Jalen Clark, I think, is still in the draft decision pool despite his Achilles injury. I do think Amari Bailey is gone, but UCLA is another one that's probably got a lot of those decisions circled. Then Illinois, Coleman Hawkins still testing the waters. Terrence Shannon still testing the waters as well. There's a chance they get both of those guys back to pair with what they have added this offseason. Now, there's still major questions at point guard for the Illini, and Ray J. Dennis seems less and less likely to be ending up there. But they're going to be loaded from two through five. And if they're just able to maybe figure out the way to 
fill in that point guard position or become less centralized with their playmaking, they could be really good. UCLA, Illinois, two teams that jump out for me there. There's there's plenty of others, but just as I look down the list, those ones popped out to me. And I feel like Creighton has had one of the strangest off seasons of any team because we were thinking that they might be able to possibly bring back that entire starting five from the team that was a foul call away from making the Final Four. And I thought if they were able to, they were going to be a top-five team preseason. I have really felt like they've had one of the worst off-seasons, and not even with the Steve Ashworth pickup, because I thought that that was very good that they were able to replace Ryan Nemard with Steve Ashworth. I thought that they did an A-plus job, but they didn't have a lot of depth to start with last season. Arthur Kaluma, if he comes back to school, he could still return to Crane, but that seems to be a little bit of a mystery there. But, I mean, with Trey Alexander and Ryan Kochbrenner, if they don't get back, in my opinion, both of those guys, it's going to be tough for them to be able to retool for this upcoming season. Yeah, no question. I had kind of maybe the unpopular opinion that the way they were built, if they had just swapped in Ashworth for Nemhard, there's a chance I would have liked them even better. They had a lot more shooting. And maybe Ashworth's not quite the playmaker that Nemhard is, but you've got Alexander there and you can kind of spread that around. And the additional spacing and the more consistent shooting in the backcourt was something I I thought they were really missing last year. But now you take out Kaluma and you're just kind of trying to figure out how things are going to work there. They need Kalkbrenner back because he's been the backbone of their defensive resurgence. That's never been a strength under McDermott. And suddenly the last two years, they've been dominant on that end. So they need to get Kalkbrenner back. That's the first step of, of business. And then you kind of figure out everything around that. I'm keeping my, my eye close on him. And I don't know where he's at with graduation. I don't know if there's a chance he's a late portal entry as a grad transfer. But those are things to keep an eye on here. And we've, said, we've seen a couple recently uh, with Cam Spencer, Tyler Burton, where guys are entering the portal late and they're still going to be eligible right away. So there's still some dominoes to fall this offseason. Yeah, because there was that transfer portal deadline for all the guys that were not graduate transfers. But as we know, with graduate transfers... That does change the game a little bit. Now with Cam Spencer, this would be a second transfer as well. So we shall see what happens on that front. And I think that that's something to highlight as well, as we do have Jim Rude, who does tremendous work over at the three-man weave, joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, because I know that there has been a lot of chatter that the NCAA is going to be cracking down on some of these waivers. These guys that they entered into the portal late, they might not be able to play right away. These guys that... They're on their third, fourth transfer, what have you. They might need to sit out a year. How have you been gauging this? Because it's been very easy for us in terms of our handicapping for the upcoming season. Unless if we see some big giant asterisk, like I think Hunter Huff was like one of like five guys that didn't get a waiver last year to play. You just assumed, all right, player X, he transfers from school Y to school Z. He's going to be good to go. I feel like it might be a little bit more complicated than that this offseason. So that means for us, we have to track 363 D1 teams. It's going to make our job all the more difficult. Very much so, because a lot of it probably won't be reported on at the lower levels when you're trying to handicap all 363 teams the way we do, or I guess 362 now with two out and LeMoyne in. There's going to be decisions that aren't clear on the first day of the season, or, or you know, hopefully, as my Weave cohorts and other guys go through our previews with the Almanac, we'll be able to talk to coaches and athletic departments and figure out some of those decisions, but even sometimes the NCAA doesn't make them by the time the year starts. I remember that in years past where teams were impatiently waiting for a waiver decision from the NCAA, and if that's not done by the time the games tip off, then we're left in as much limbo as as the teams are trying to figure out if that's going to happen. And I do know, like you mentioned, this waiver process is an adventure. It's It's a new frontier this year where they have made it very clear that they plan to crack down on these things, and 
some coaches have taken it seriously that I've talked to and been like, I probably won't be able to get that guy eligible. I'm not going to recruit him. And others are like, it's the NCAA, whatever, we'll be able to get anybody a waiver. Two different approaches in the market right now, which has affected the demand for certain players that are on that second time transfer. But I think we're all just waiting with bated breath to see if the NCAA is going to actually stick to their word or if they're going to end up succumbing to everybody's demands and, and just letting everybody play right away. I, I, I kind of think it's going to be the former where, where they make a bit of a statement and say, if it's not a very clear mental health situation, guys are going to have to sit and they're going to be rudely awakened to that. And it might affect the way the portal is managed in future seasons as well. And I'm sure schools are shaking in their boots because if they do violate something after the fact, they are going to be hit with a reprimand in 2036. And it's probably <laughs> going to be some school that is not at the D1 level yet that gets that reprimand because that's the way that the NCAA works. But I do agree with you. I do think that there's a lot to take a look at there, and it is going to be so fascinating. And it's also just a logistical nightmare as well. One of the things that we have had to deal with the last few off-seasons as well, who will slash will not utilize that COVID fifth year? Because I honestly think that the power schools, it's not too difficult. You're typically going to have some beat reporter for like, Ohio State, insert your Big Ten, your Pac-12 school here, and you're relatively going to know, okay, this guy is going to be back for season number five. This guy is not going to be back for season number five. But I think that you laid out something very much what I'm going to be dealing with, and I'm sure that you are going to be as well. These low to mid-major schools where there's not a lot reported upon, knowing who is slash is not going to be utilizing that fifth year, I think once again is going to be a big, giant adventure, and it's going to be a labor of love to try to find out who all is slash is not. Yeah, I've been working on rolling some of these mid-major rosters forward and, and shout out to Verbal Commits, one of the best resources for that. We use that big time for their rosters, but even them, you know, they don't know for sure if guys are going to use the, the fifth year of eligibility. So I've got a lot of question marks on my rosters. And again, I'll plug the Almanac here three months before, maybe three and a half, four months before it's actually out. We will have all those decisions sorted out for you in that in that magazine. We'll talk to the coaches. We'll talk to the athletic departments about who's using those fifth years. We're going to have updated rosters in that thing once it's ready to go. So a worthwhile $20 to anybody that's handicapping because we'll have all those fifth year decisions spelled out for you about who's back, who's not. Like I said, out by mid to late September, I think. Yep. And that is a great resource from you guys. I try my best on this podcast as well when I do my conference previews of laying some of those out as well. Now, obviously, you're going to have some reversals when it's all said and done as well because they just make it very difficult in this day and age to be able to get every T crossed and every I dotted. But that said, being able to do the best that we can, being able to put you on the right track, that is the most important thing humanly possible. As Jim Rudu does great work over at the Three Man Weave, is joining me right here on Kosuko Soups. And I know that you laid out the fact that Illinois, they've got some big NBA draft decisions that are coming up for them as well. How do you view a team like Kentucky, though, as well? Because I think that Kentucky is one of the most interesting teams this time of year because they've got Oscar Sheboy along with Antonio Reeves currently going through the NBA draft process. And with Antonio Reeves, I think that if he comes back, that'd be relatively massive for them. But the reason why I'm so intrigued by Kentucky is that they have not added a player in the transfer portal. And I feel like there are quite a few schools like Kentucky, like Baylor, that have been a little bit hand-strung by these NBA draft decisions, which is why they've been a little bit more quiet in the portal. And perhaps when they know exactly the lay of the land, exactly what they are slash are not going to be getting back, it might be too late for them to get the roster that they were really desiring. 
It's really tough. And not even just like these big blue bloods. Some of these other schools, maybe they have one guy. I, I'll speak for my alma mater, Mizzou, expecting Kobe Brown to go pro. But if he doesn't, they have to have that NIL money waiting ready to give him. Like if he's coming back, they're going to be like, he's going to want that NIL money. And same goes for a place like Kentucky with Reeves, with Shibway, and even Chris Livingston is in there too. Those guys are, if they come back, they're going to expect to get paid. And you're having to hold that money kind of on the side waiting for, for their decision. It's harder to throw it at somebody in the portal if you don't know. You know, not just from a role allocation perspective, are these teams kind of held hostage by the pro decisions, but also just from that NIL money perspective, not everybody has the deep pockets like Arkansas and a couple other schools where they can just hurl money at whoever. Some of these other schools have to be a little more prudent about what they do, how they budget that money. And maybe we'll see a flurry of activity after this May 31st deadline when we know for sure who is in and who is out because then schools will be you know free to move all that NIL money around and pay it to the guys they see fit. But as of now, yeah, I think some schools are in a bit of a holding pattern, just trying to see if they're going to need that for a returner or if they can give it to somebody new in the portal. Yep, I do think that it is so interesting to take a look at these NBA draft decisions. There's going to be tons and tons of impact as well. And I do think that Baylor has a lot to gain slash lose as well because they're sort of going through it with Adam Flagler, who he may or may not use his fifth year as well. And I take a look at the Big 12 in general, and I think that there's a lot of teams that they have a lot to gain slash lose. Texas is another team that we haven't necessarily talked a ton about, but I think if they get back to Dylan Mitchell because they're already going to be getting back Mr. Hunter, that is going to be big for them. But those two teams in Baylor and Texas, and I think that they've got a lot to gain slash lose over the next few days as well, because even though they've only got one or two guys that are hanging out there in the balance, the difference between having some like an Adam Flagler or not is going to be massive in a conference in the Big 12 where the margins are just so thin. Yeah, you think about replacement value on the guys behind them. Like if Flagler's not there, they're playing two freshman guards, like a ton, 30, 35 minutes a game probably. If he's there, then you have 35 minutes eaten up by this proven all-conference performer. So that's a huge swing. And with Texas, Mitchell wasn't some you know super-duper star as a freshman, but their bench is thin. You know, a couple mid-major guys, it's Brock Cunningham, and they weren't able to bring any of their freshmen, and they all ended up leaving, going pro or re-exploring the, the recruitment route in the case of Ron Holland. So it's either Mitchell or maybe a mid-major, not quite big 12 caliber guy. Like That's a huge swing. It's about who would take the minutes if that guy does go pro. And for both Baylor and Texas, it, it looks a lot more uncertain if those guys leave rather than if they come back and you have a proven commodity in that spot. Absolutely. Proven commodities are just so massive in this day and age of college basketball. And proven commodities are massive when it comes to this podcast. And Jim... You are a proven commodity, my friend. Every single time you join this podcast, you do an absolutely terrific job. I know you're doing amazing work. Take a look at what we're all getting in terms of these NBA draft decisions. You mentioned it. You and everyone else over there at the three-man weave are going to be diving in, taking a look at all these rosters the next few months, doing a great job with that publication, doing a great job with all of your conference previews and so much more. So let the good people at home. No, it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. And pretty quiet right now on our website, threemanweave.com, three-man-weave.com. Not a lot of written stuff, but we are going through um, every conference, every power conference in like a weekly recap series. So we just did the Big 12, talked through how the season went for each school, kind of a state of the program, how it looks going forward. And that included the four new schools that have just been added there, Houston, UCF, BYU, 
and Cincinnati. So we, we talked through those 14 schools. We'll do probably the Pac-12 or the SEC next. So check out the Three Man Weave College Basketball Podcast for that. That's weekly, not daily like Greg, unfortunately. We're not quite as diligent, but that's the big thing. And then like I mentioned earlier, the Almanac, that'll be coming in September at some point. We'll probably do a pre-order with a special discount price if you buy a, a pre-order. That should get announced maybe sometime in late July or early August. So keep an eye out for that as well. That will be a thousand pages of previews, tons and tons and tons of information on every team, interviews with every coach. A big Bible, hopefully, for people that are are massive fans of the sport. And Jim, you guys are very, very diligent. The thing is, I'm just very much a schmuck for doing this podcast every single day, but (laughs) I am everyone's schmuck. So there is that, but... Jim and everyone else over there at the Three Band Weave, Kai and Matt, they do absolutely tremendous work. Take a look at the great game of college basketball. Whenever we're able to get any of those three men on from the Three Band Weave, they always do deliver the goods just like Jim did today. So a big thanks to Jim for joining me right here on Cusco Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Cusco Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Jaden underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Conference previews are coming. Hopefully, we'll have the first one up by the end of the week. Looking at the Atlantic Sun, we're going to be going with the low-slash-mid-majors first since they've got the fewest moving parts going in as close to alphabetical order as possible. That'll be just a little bit dependent upon the guests that we get. And then we're going to be all set from there to be able to give you guys some good picks, some good analysis all throughout the season. And I'll be with you guys every single day on this podcast, which means I'll chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everybody, welcome to Across Generations where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.